0: And I remember Pat saying to him something to the effect of the riders have gotten to the Capitol, Mark. We need to go down and see the president now. And Mark looked up at him and said, he doesn't want to do anything, Pat. And Pat said something to the effect of, and very clearly (laughs) had said this to Mark, something to the effect of, Mark, something needs to be done or people are going to die and the blood's going to be on your effing hands.
1: That is Cassidy Hutchinson. She's a former top aide to Mark Meadows, Trump's White House chief of staff. And today on Capitol Hill, her testimony in the January 6th hearings has been explosive.
0: I sort of felt like I was watching a, this is not a great comparison, but a bad car accident that was about to happen where you can't stop it, but you want to be able to do something.
1: From the newsroom of the Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Tuesday, June 28th. Today, we are diving into the testimony that everyone is talking about, from a witness sharing new revelations about the actions of former President Trump in the lead-up to the assault on the Capitol. Reporter Aaron Blake has been watching today's testimony, and he says that this former aide, Hutchinson, has delivered the most pivotal day of the January 6th hearing so far.
0: Our witness today is Ms. Cassie Hutchinson, who served in the Trump administration in the White House office.
2: Well, the big reason this is the most significant testimony so far is that it provided a window into what was happening in the White House on January 6th that we just hadn't seen so far. We have not a high-ranking official, but kind of a mid-level official in Cassidy Hutchinson talking about warnings that were made in the White House, including on the morning of January 6th, talking about how Donald Trump was reacting to his voter fraud theories being debunked, and most crucially, how he reacted to warnings about people in the crowd on January 6th having weapons.
1: And let's talk a little bit more about Cassidy Hutchinson. We've heard from so many people who were close to the president or around the the president during this period. Why is she important? Why does she have a perspective that nobody else has?
2: Well, it's key for a couple reasons. Number one is that we haven't heard a lot of testimony from the higher-ups in the White House. What did a typical day look like for you in your work with Mr. Meadows?
0: It varied with what was going on. We spent a lot of time on the Hill.
2: Cassidy Hutchinson is somebody who, by virtue of her position as an aide to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, was really privy to a lot of things. She knew about the schedules. She knew about who was meeting with who, what the president was doing at this time, So she really had insights into what has remained, even despite the committee's best efforts so far, kind of a black box as far as the president's own direct actions with regard to January 6th.
1: So let's dive into some of what she said. Tell me about her testimony and and about some of what she described happening in the days before January 6th.
2: Yeah, so basically Cassidy Hutchinson reinforces that there were all kinds of warnings about what might happen that day. More specifically, the warnings about what could transpire because of this effort that was underway by the president and his supporters. So we heard in her testimony shortly before January 6th that Rudy Giuliani was talking about the prospect of marching toward the Capitol. And and this was at a time when, when Trump himself was planning on doing that, or at least hoped to.
0: After Mr. Giuliani had left the campus that evening, I went back up to our office and I found Mr. Meadows in his office on the couch. He was scrolling through his phone. I remember leaning against the doorway and saying, I said, an interesting conversation with Rudy, Mark. Sounds like we're going to go to the Capitol. He didn't look up from his phone and said something to the effect of, there's a lot going on, Cass, but I don't know. Things might get real, real bad on January
1: 6th. Aaron, what what did you make of that, the fact that Meadows told his top aide that in, in those days before the attack?
2: It's a little unclear whether Meadows was directly talking about the march to the Capitol, but that was certainly the context of the conversation. And at the very least, it would reinforce that the people at the highest levels of the White House knew that there was at least a danger of something like this happening. I think the other big warning that we learned about in Hutchinson's testimony, was what White House counsel Pat Cipollone said.
0: On January 3rd, Mr. Cipollone had approached me knowing that Mark had raised the prospect of going up to the Capitol on January 6th. Mr. Cipollone and I had a brief private conversation where he said to me, We need to make sure that this doesn't happen. This would be a, legally a, a terrible idea for us. We're, we have serious legal concerns if we go up to the Capitol that day. And he then urged me to continue relaying that to Mr. Meadows.
2: Specifically, he worried that it could lead to criminal charges. He mentioned, according to her, obstruction of justice, violating the Electoral Count Act, and inciting a riot.
1: And, and tell me what else she described from this kind of period or, or those advance warnings about what would eventually transpire.
2: I think perhaps the most significant disclosure that we we got in her testimony was what happened the morning of January 6th. She said that Deputy White House Chief of Staff, Anthony Ornato, who is a Secret Service agent, actually by trade, was talking about how people in the January 6th rally, the people who were attending the president's speech that day, had weapons.
0: Knives, guns in the form of pistols and rifles, Um, bear spray, body armor, spears, and flagpoles. Spears were one item, flagpoles were one item, then Tony had relayed to me something to the effect of, and these effing people are fastening spears onto the ends of flagpoles.
2: So there was an acknowledgement in the White House that (laughs) there was some danger there. But when we
0: were in the offstage announced tent, I was part of a conversation I was in the the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in.
2: And so what that means is the president, when he instructed people to march to the Capitol in his later speech.
0: And we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore
2: would have done so having been told that people there uh, might well have had weapons.
1: Hmm. That he knew that this was not going to be a peaceful protest outside the Capitol, that the fact that, that he was warned that people were armed um, and yet convinced them to, to go to the Capitol anyways, that that suggests that, that he knew the potential repercussions.
2: Yeah, I think you can certainly make that argument. I think the, the most charitable explanation would be that he may be worried less about what that would mean near the Capitol. Maybe he thought that the Capitol was more secure than his outdoor rally would be. But at, at the very, very least, it would certainly speak to the potential intent that some of these people had in advance of January 6th and turning people like that loose, no matter how, you know, in what numbers the people with weapons were, would at the very least suggest an indifference to the prospect of violence. Mm. And I think that Cassidy Hutchinson pointed more towards uh, perhaps something a little bit worse than that.
1: We also heard in this testimony, some descriptions of former President Trump during this period. And I think, descriptions that are in some cases kind of bizarre, um, involving ketchup. Can you describe a little bit of what we heard?
2: Yeah, so basically Hutchinson said that when Donald Trump saw that his attorney general, William Barr, had downplayed the evidence of voter fraud in an interview with the Associated Press, that he became so angry that some ketchup was thrown across the room.
0: The president was extremely angry at the attorney general's AP interview and had thrown his lunch against the wall.
1: And also that there's an, there's an episode where he, where the former president, essentially tries to take the steering wheel of the limousine that he's in to try to head toward the Capitol. The president said something to the effect of,
0: I'm the effing president. Take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engle grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engle. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had.
2: Motion towards
0: his clavicles.
2: I do think much like the catch-up anecdote, this speaks to somebody who was was grasping at something kind of desperately at the time. You know, the idea that he would feel so strongly about going to the Capitol that he would try to take the wheel of the car, I think, speaks to him seeing this thing kind of drifting out of his grasp and and wanting to do anything he could to try and and grasp it back. And I think that's going to be one of the images, certainly, that's going to define that entire effort.
1: After the break, how these moments have changed our understanding of what happened on January 6th. We'll be right back. Aaron... One question that has been hanging over these hearings over the last couple of weeks has been this question of what will the consequences be? Will what we hear in these hearings result in any actual criminal charges or any prosecution of the president or people around the president? Did the needle move on that today? Is there a world where what we're hearing from Hutchinson has some of those, those legal ramifications?
2: It, it's a really good question, and, and I think it's it's worth putting this in that context because that's really what these hearings are all about. They're certainly making a political case against Trump, given he may run again for president in 2024, but but more specifically, it's about building a criminal case out, not that the committee can charge him with a crime, but, but putting pressure on the Justice Department to do something about this. I, I think what this testimony does is it adds to the idea that there was— a corrupt intent by the former president in these actions. Uh, Being told that this could lead to violence and that people have weapons and then still pointing them in the direction of the Capitol and telling them to go there, I think feeds into that. Um, We have had plenty of evidence that Trump was told his voter fraud allegations were false by high-ranking people in the Justice Department. We've also had evidence that people um, who were leading this effort, including his attorney, John Eastman, were told that their efforts on January 6th in the, the congressional procedure were were illegal. The things that they were advocating were were not legal. And so I think the, what the committee is doing is trying to combine all of these things and, and fill out a, an entire picture. Whether there's ultimately a smoking gun or not, it's it'll be a preponderance of evidence. And I think that's what the committee is really going for. But this is really the the big evidence that there were big internal warnings that people knew this could go as wrong as it did uh and that they pressed forward with this uh, and the president more specifically pressed forward with it
1: and then what about how much this is shaping public opinion or public understanding of January 6th this testimony today and and what we've heard in in the last couple of weeks do you feel like it has gotten through the bubble or or influenced people who may not have been paying attention up until this point um, to see what happened on January 6th as um, truly dangerous.
2: It's really difficult to say. We've gotten a little bit of polling on this, and it suggests that maybe people are more likely to think that that the former president committed crimes. But we've also seen through any number of different controversies in the past people's attention spans are are brief. Uh, these are extremely complex issues, and for casual followers of the news, they're going to be very difficult to penetrate because of that. Uh, there's also a very large portion of the country that has stood by Donald Trump through thick and thin, and they will be very difficult to pull back from that. I think that the most likely outcome is that if there is a change after these hearings, it's that there is a portion of the Republican Party that does something, whatever that would be, I'm not sure, to argue that perhaps it's best for the party to move in a different direction moving forward.
1: And what can we expect from the rest of these hearings going forward?
2: So we're not scheduled to have additional hearings until the middle of July. There is a congressional recess over the 4th, um, so we're going to have to wait and see um, what, what those hearings are going to be about. I would expect that the The hearings that we see in in mid-July are going to build on what we saw today, which was focusing on Trump and his specific conduct during the riot, because that's really the the big thing that we don't have a huge window into so far. And I think they wanted to set the, the table for that with her testimony today.
1: Aaron, thank you so much for explaining all of this. Appreciate it. Thank you. Aaron Blake is a reporter for The Post. Today's episode was produced and mixed by Ted Muldoon, with help from Sabi Robinson. It was edited by Rena Flores. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.